American podcasters are lost in the swirling maze of past and future ages during their latest series of movie reviews. It's the Time Shifters Podcast. We're going to attempt time travel. Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. This show discusses film and television from the long and recent past as well as the news and events surrounding them. We thank you for tuning in and would love to hear from you. Follow the link in the show notes to all our social media and websites, or send us an email to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. All I'm asking you to do now is to witness a demonstration of the possibility of movement within the fourth dimension. Everyone, and welcome back to Time Shifters. This is Christopher taking time off from waiting for a package from Amazon. <laughs> oh, is that a thing today? <laughs> I've got the new uh, 4K ultra super cool director's cut Star Trek The Motion Picture coming. Oh. So. It's, been de- it's been delayed. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, th- thanks to some, some sharing, uh, I have access to Paramount Plus right now. And I was able to watch it through them. Yes, I did not. And so I've been waiting for it to finally hit the physical media. And it is on its way. It just hasn't made it to my grubby hands yet. (laughs) Uh, Tom, how have you been? Oh, you know, it's another day in paradise. What can I say? Yeah, I feel kind of the same. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're definitely a little lower key. But I understand. We all have a hectic time. Uh, Yes. We just started the the school year uh, from work perspective, so. Yeah, yeah, I don't have uh, quite the experience you do when it comes to the school year, but my my son has just started his senior year in high school, and that has come with lots of uh, things have gone on. And uh, trying to fit more things into the schedules and such, but yeah, so far we're we're hammering out, I He's running cross country again this year. I'm actually going to miss a couple of his uh, his first two meets due to podcasting related things. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, but I've been I've hit almost every other meet for the last six years. I think I'm allowed to skip a couple. <laughs> it, yeah, and and coincidentally, uh, my son started his uh, his cross country experience today. Oh, excellent. So. Oh, fun. Is this his first year running, or did he run last year? No, this is his, we missed uh, the opportunity to get him signed up last year. So I, I think more to the point, he missed his opportunity. <laughs> right. Uh, th- this is his obligation to us to do something physical. <laughs> okay. Well, cross country is a great, that, that's, it's a fantastic sport. I'm so thrilled for him. I hope he has a good time. I, I'm certain he will, and actually... Uh, it, entertainingly and to make me feel old while you get to feel old having a senior i got to feel old because i'm like oh well so he's gonna start running right so i'll take him out for a run after i picked him up after school on friday and we hadn't been running in a while and i have not been running as much as i used to so (laughs) we got started on the trail and I'm used to the pace that he was capable of. Right. So we hit this mile marker and I say, okay, we'll run a mile. Let's, we'll start at this particular marker, go. 
we get going and in five steps he's way ahead of me <laughs> and he starts looking back at me um i just start shaking my head and go just go <laughs> just you yeah. stop stop at the next mile marker just so that we can rejoin each other for the walk <laughs> yes well i i have no illusions of being able to keep up with him when it comes to uh, running. I, I, the last I tried anyway, I could still beat him in a sprint. Yeah. But uh, as far as uh, the long distance, right. that's all him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I've reached that point right now where I don't think I can take him in a sprint or, <laughs> or in distance, and that's not yeah. making me happy. Yeah, well, I hope he has a great experience because, like I said, I I, I absolutely love the uh, cross country sport. Of as just a um, what do you call me? It just as a spectator, mm-hmm. I I think it's it's like going to a festival every weekend. That's it's just sure. like a big just sort of celebration and party. And I love the spirit of the cross country runners. I saw a T shirt on this one uh, young woman last year towards the end of the season. And on the back of her shirt says, uh, our sport is what your sport does for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, that is awesome. Yeah. I love that spirit. That's pretty cool. Well, not running. I've been doing a lot of sitting on the couch and watching movies and such. Uh, the last couple last couple episodes, I haven't watched a great deal. I've made up for it this past couple weeks. Yes, you have. I've been paying attention. <laughs> I've just been, I've managed to like get the TV a little earlier than <laughs> than usual or something. So I, I've started a few films. I've been all over the board too. You have. I've gone back. Uh, I started out, I watched a film uh, from 1961 that's uh, called The Taste of Fear. I think it's actually uh, got a different name for it. Um, I can't, I'm blanking on what it is. I couldn't remember. I found it in my collection. I'm like, if I watch this one, so I put it in, and almost immediately I realized, oh, I do, I do remember, and I remember the twist. <laughs> that really was kind of a revelation to me. It's like, that's the problem with twists in films. They only really work once. Hey, yeah, no, it's not like you go back and watch The Sixth Sense and go, I, I, ne- I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Most of the stuff is just, weird things I find on Prime because, or it finds me more often the case. Watched a uh, a TV movie from 98 called uh, Marabunta or Legion of Fire Killer Ants, which is as good as you think it would be. <laughs> I know you also watched a, a movie from that, that interestingly enough made it into one of our guys' nights a while back, uh, Lee Major's made for tv movie oh yes what was it Starflight one yeah something like Starflight, that. the plane that couldn't land yeah yeah i couldn't tell if that was, i don't think that was was it a tv movie I, I, I think it is listed as a tv movie i think it's made for tv movie i think it got maybe a theatrical release overseas goody for them <laughs> yeah yeah, that was everything you want in, like, a disaster film. Yeah, but the way this one went, uh, it, it was like you were waiting for, like, it could have been Airplane 3. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. You're waiting for the Leslie Nielsen to show up at any at some point. Yeah, you're waiting for the punchline that doesn't come, but the joke is there. Um, 
I did check out, and this was one that um, was brought up in our uh, interview a while back, uh, The Vast of Night. Okay, yep. Very interesting. Worth checking out. If you have not, I would definitely give that one a watch. No, I saw that you commented on that one. I've added that to a list. Uh, I definitely want to catch that one. A, a couple a little in, independents, uh, The Infinity Chamber and uh, The Tangle, which both star uh, Christopher Soren Kelly, who I know from uh, 2009's Inc. Okay. So his name kind of came up, so I checked him both out. The Tangle, he actually uh, wrote and directed. Oh. Uh, wrote and directed interesting films and worth checking out I liked them both there was another one called It Crawls Beneath that I just recently watched and actually uh, It Crawls Beneath, The Tangled Infinity Chamber, I'm actually gonna do, go ahead and do like short audio reviews that will pop up in the feed in the future so, um, so watch out for those It Crawls Beneath is also one that's I won't say don't watch it this was actually a, a screener that I got. I, I didn't get a chance to, to share it with you. It was just one that just popped up, and I thought, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll check that one out. Um, I may forward it along to you if you want. It's, it's all right. It has moments, um, but I'll save the rest for maybe my, uh, my actual review on that one. It's just the comment that I came up with in my review was that it kind of relies on you to sort of forget the mundane that's not how that works why are you trying to make me believe that's how that works <laughs> oh so it's bending natural real reality kind of things and yeah so believe this other thing because we need you to because it's convenient yeah a little bit something like that okay. yeah yeah those are those are usually i i'm more inclined to believe the fantastical that you tell me to believe because you've introduced it then have you tried to rewrite reality? That's what kind of been occupying my time. And uh, I don't foresee that stopping anytime soon. I'm sure I'll have more <laughs> next time we talk. Well, I, I know that's the kind of thing that just keeps you going. <laughs> On my side of things, uh, I, as we uh, talked before the start of the show... Uh, my son has decided he's into Lord of the Rings to the point where he's like even making his own card game. Like he's drawing, he 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 wants to draw the characters onto individual cards and then put a synopsis on the ba back and try to create a, a whole game out of it. So wow, uh, all right, more power to him. I, I've seen him try these things before, so we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, something a la. Magic the Gathering or something like that. So, at any rate, I never discourage. If he's doing art, I love it. So, mm -hmm. um, he, he's been working on that, but all of that got driven out of the new Amazon Prime uh, Power of the Ring or whatever the thing's called. I Honestly, I intend to watch it at some point. I just haven't started yet. But to that point, he hadn't actually seen the source material yet. Like, uh, he has yet to read the book. He has a copy, just hasn't sat and read it. And he hadn't seen the Peter Jackson films. So since it'll be a little while before he probably gets around to reading the book, we went ahead and bit off watching the extended versions of all three movies. So that comes to roughly 12 and a half hours worth of film. Jeez. 
half, half a day's worth of movie. Uh, and in this case, we, we consumed two on one day and one on the other it, through this past weekend. <laughs> so. Now, are you, you going to follow it up with the uh, the Hobbit film? Uh, yeah, I think. Or we'll films, probably, I should films, say. Films, yeah, the unnecessary trilogy of the Hobbit. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. um, we'll probably watch those just so that he gets all of it so that he has the whole experience. Um, uh, but I always love going through Lord of the Rings. Uh, and then, of course, uh, on, on my snazzy new TV with HBO Max, Ultra 4K, all that fun stuff. It was gorgeous. I mean... Oh, I bet. It looked amazing. Sometimes almost too amazing because we forget how old that film actually is at this point. So you actually... In that kind of clarity, you can make out more of the uh, special effects overlay uh, mm-hmm. than you probably would like. Um, so when you get into like the two towers and Treebeard is walking around, yeah, no, he's not there. <laughs> so, yeah. which that part you take with a grain of salt, but otherwise, um, it's fun. And then I, I couldn't help but I couldn't resist. Um, having him watch the whole thing, having him get thoroughly absorbed, enjoying every minute of it. And then we end on the final film. And I point out, you do know we could have knocked out this entire trilogy in in a quick maybe one, two-hour flight of one of those eagles carrying (laughs) Frodo to the mountain, drop the ring in, and then take off. (laughs) Back in time for 11Zs, yes. Yeah, in which case, um, we, we've we ascertained that Gandalf is the true villain of the entire thing. Yeah, well, what would they have learned <laughs> <laughs> and without the journey? What were those thousands of people who died? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't important in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so, yeah. Character that, building. That consumed a weekend. <laughs> Yes, oh, I'm sure it did. Wow. That's some heavy-duty movie watching. Yes, indeed. And um, as much as I enjoy that trilogy, the extended ones, there's good content in there, but my God, is it long. <laughs> but yeah, I've been up to, I, I don't imagine you've been up to anything else. You've spent 12 hours <laughs> watching Hobbits run around. Well, other than that, it's just uh, work and, and normal stuff. Uh, I've been very much into... Uh, whether it's popular or not, I, I've been enjoying the She-Hulk series. I have actually been watching that each week when it comes out. I enjoy that immensely. Uh, I'm a little behind on Lower Decks, which is surprising, uh, mostly because I want to watch that with my son, too, because he enjoys that. But looking forward to some more of that. But other than that, um, mindlessly been re-watching Game of Thrones as well. <laughs> I kind of tried to get into the new series and finding that to be kind of a lighter version of the original Game of Thrones. It doesn't have a... I, I'm waiting for it to coalesce, uh, but uh, the Game of Thrones series had a nice... Um, there was always this specter of what was going to happen. The coal concept, winter is coming. And when they said winter is coming... That means something really terrible was on the way, not just the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So the entire series had that overarching arc, and then they ruined it in the last season, of course. This one, because it's a prequel and it happens almost 200 years ahead of uh, the, the content of Game of Thrones, we're not sure what this is all supposed to be. So we're, we're seeing things unfold. It's similar to Game of Thrones, but I'm like, why am I supposed to care? I'm not there yet. Yeah, because you ultimately know the end game. Well, right, but I don't anticipate the series going for 200 years, so... No. <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> no. But hey, uh, because we discussed beforehand, Matt Smith uh, is the lead bad guy in the House of Targaryen, um, or House of Dragons, House of Dragons. Targaryen's the family. Uh, but House of Dragons, uh, um, he is probably the leading protagonist and he is very effective as as it. He is just chaotic and crazy, and it's just really fun to watch him do it. Yeah, cool. Maybe that's going to be his niche, because um, I watched him in uh, Morbius, where he played the bad guy. Yeah. He was the main villain, and I, I thought he was kind of like the highlight of Morbius, <laughs> seeing him like that. He, he's got a handle on the crazy eyes. He gets his head cocked. He's just glaring. His eye get a little squint in there. He did it a couple of times, even as the doctor. And usually, when he was doing that as the doctor, it meant not good things were going to happen for the bad guys. <laughs> right. So either way, that that's kind of his evil death stare, and he has a pretty good evil death stare. Well, he's got a. He's got an unusual appearance about him anyway. Mm -hmm. He's just an kind of an odd-shaped face. Yeah, very long through the through the jawbone. Yes. So seeing him get the play of villain, it just I don't know, I think it befits him be better than being the the ultra good guy. Yeah. No. No, I I, I totally agree and uh, it's part of what keeps driving me to watch the next episode, the next episode, because even though I'm still like, when does this not get bland? Um, he, his moments in the show are what help keep you going to, okay, I want to see what he does next. <laughs> I think we will go ahead and take a break and listen to a promo for another show. And when we get back, we will watch 2021's The Tomorrow War. Flash Pulp Podcast. Three to ten minutes of fiction brought to you thrice weekly. Now it's three, three, three apocalypses in one. Yeah! Suffering from tough, stuck-on humans? Well, twenty hellish hours of suffocation in the all-encompassing web of Carwick the Spider God will get them right out. Too many brains lying around? The ravenous mouths surrounding zombie-fighting Ruby will quickly clean those up. Nosy neighbors, infect them with the murder plague, and watch as they dissolve into paranoid maniacs bent on the preemptive assassination of their friends and family. 
Why stop at one end of the world when you can have all three? You can find them all at flashpulp.com or search for them on iTunes. Okay, none of you are my child. Has anyone seen Muri? <laughs> we are fighting a war 30 years in the future. This is this a joke? Our enemy is not human. We need you to fight got drafted. I will be back. Why is this happening? What about the teacher's deferment and the veteran's deferment? If I don't go, they're going to draft you in my place. But if something does happen to me, you and Miri will be taken care of. If something happens to you, Dan, 70% of draftees do not return. Sometimes a man does what's best for his family, not himself. Move your shirt, please. What is this for? It's just a test. Oh, a seatbelt. Was it a driving test? No, you don't have jokes in the future? Ah! This device facilitates your jump to and from the future war. One minute to jump. Oh, here, buddy. Take that. You just flip it around like that. How are you so calm? Long story. Are you ex-military? Yeah. Kind of a short story, I guess. Three, two, one. In 11 months' time, human beings in the future will be wiped from the face of the earth unless you help us i was trying to save my daughter if i gotta save the world to save her then i'm gonna do it this is the end the human species will disappear from the face of the earth we are literally living on borrowed time there's still a chance that we can stop this war from ever happening. So we gotta fight. Well, it was nice knowing you. Directed by Chris McKay, who is known for directing the Lego Batman movie and its sequel, and stars everyone's second favorite Chris, uh, Chris Pratt, <laughs> who also executive produced the film, also stars Yvonne Strav... Strav... I don't know how to say her last name. Strahovski? I like it. And J.K. Simmons. Uh, the Tomorrow War was filmed for Paramount and was scheduled for a theatrical release, but when the COVID-19 pandemic shut the world down and that wasn't going to happen, they sold it to Amazon for a cool $200 million, which I think I read was actually the budget, so I think Paramount just sort of broke even with that one. The first week in a digital release, an estimated 2.41 million households tuned in, which made it at the time Amazon's most watched original movie i have not seen whether that still holds the record or not or if anything has surpassed it but that's still a hell of a uh that's a hell of a rating there mm -hmm. 
Soldiers from the future travel back to present-day Earth to ask for help in fighting a war against marauding aliens that have overrun the planet. 30 years from now, the human race will be on the verge of extinction. The world unites and institutes a global draft. Men and women are sent to the future for a week at a time to fight the alien white spikes. Family man, high school teacher, scientist, and ex-Army Special Forces Dan Foster is recruited and sent to 2051. Once there, he is thrown into a pitched battle for survival. Barely making it out alive, he is united with his grown daughter, who is a colonel in the armed forces, who is developing a plan to create a toxin that will destroy the White Spikes. An attack on the outpost by an army of White Spikes, just as they have been successful, means it's too late for the future. It's up to Dan to take the toxin back to the past, where they still have the resources to mass-produce the toxin and prepare for the coming invaders. I watched this um, probably about a year ago. As did I. I will admit that on second viewing, I've warmed up to it a little bit more than I remember, you know, from my first viewing. I think what really got me on the first viewing, and it's something that we'll have to talk about, is how the the time travel and how the timeline actually works. Because, well, I looked this up. There's, there's like three different typical timelines that you're going to find in time travel stories and stuff. You got the fixed timeline where the future is predetermined. So everything you do, it's a linear movement through time. Point A ends up at point B. Doesn't matter what happens along the path. Right. Cause it turns out that whatever you did and whatever you think you're doing to change the future. Nope. You're always meant to do that. And that's how the future is going to turn out. We've got the dynamic timeline. Uh, which we've seen examples of in like Time Cop and Millennium, Thrill Seekers, Voyagers. That's where changes of the past will alter your future. So we've seen that a few times already in these in these films. And then there's the idea of parallel timelines, where every decision and any change to the past creates multiple universes where the outcomes are played out. So I think when I first watched this film, I was really kind of stuck on like the fixed timeline, mm-hmm. in which case... This film doesn't work. No. <laughs> Not at all. Even as a dynamic timeline, this film doesn't work. Uh, you have to you have to subscribe to the actual parallel universe kind of thing with this film. Well, as I shared with you um, last week, uh, found an interesting article out of Popular Mechanics, which actually went over some notions of time travel and. The, they explained it rather eloquently, the, the notion of this, in which case this film still doesn't work <laughs> because if you follow along with their logic, um, the notion of the time traveler, regardless of, they, they focus mostly on a tra- travel back, uh, suggests that the moment that you land in the past, you have now created a new branch another version of another universe so essentially if you're talking linear time point point a to point b and call that earth one the second that you leave point b to go back to point a you have now made earth two and it now has a timeline based off of you traveling this also means when you go forward you're still in Earth 2, not Earth 1. <laughs> so 
the way that they did this, especially the fact that they went forward and then back again, um, and then they're going to make changes on either end as they do so, suggests that they made this rubber band ball of universes <laughs> in, in exactly. the making, and they have never end up in the same place twice, theoretically. On second viewing, I decided that it was definitely parallel universe territory. Mm-hmm. And looking at it that way, then this is just a good kind of uh, popcorn fare uh, alien invasion movie. It is. But uh, as like, <laughs> I, I even commented when I, I posted it to Facebook that I was watching it. And I was like, it's a great alien invasion movie. Horrible time travel movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, at least in the time travel stuff, while, yeah, it, it's kind of a disaster, I did like some of the elements where they, um, they touched on it very briefly in a conversation where I, we already got the illusion that they were taking people who... We're, we're near the end of their life in some fashion. If you were recruited to go to the future war to fight the battle, you were probably not going to be around much longer in your own timeline. So they're taking them out of that. And then they, they had a moment where they explained not only are they only taking people who won't be there 30 years from now, uh, but the people who came back to train the people who will go forward also were not around in the, at this time as well. So they were hadn't younger. been born yet. So yeah, hadn't been born yet. So they were they they tried to explain that they were trying to avoid a paradox while still making their paradox. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably what bothered me is they went to the trouble of like kind of creating the rules as far as that goes. Right. But they didn't give us any rules as to, like, which timeline or which theory of time travel are they subscribing to. See, what would have made more... And not that any of this was going to make sense, because uh, th- th- this is a... Uh, this is a movie that is a bunch of different movies all glued together. Um, <laughs> so... And whereas you gained a little more appreciation upon my second viewing, I felt it broke down a little bit more for me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, well, the action sequences and all, I, I mean, I, I love the aliens. I love the, 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 the sense of we've, we've dropped people into a place and it, it's just chaos and they have to deal with it in the moment. Some of that was fun. Um, but yeah, I, like the more I'm watching this, I'm like, uh, yeah, that can that goes into that movie, that goes into that movie. It, it's all very derivative. So yeah, there's yeah. Alien, there's Predator, there's Terminator, there's yeah, right. But uh, uh, I would have latched on to the time travel more if if they came back, grabbed the folks that they said they were going to, move them forward in time. And left them there. Mm. Because that wouldn't have broken the rules that they were kind of setting. Um, Because the original intention was just to get more help to destroy the aliens. There was no talk of, oh, we want to rewrite history all the way around. 
it's only when we get into the uh, end of the second act when you find out, oh, there's a plan to to we we can't save the future world. What we have to do is go back in time with some new information and hopefully end the war before it starts. They waited till you're two thirds of the way through the film to bring up that that idea, and that's when you're going. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't clear whether that was really like a overall mission or that was just her mission. That was just Colonel Foster's mission. Right, but from the movie's perspective, this is what we set out to do. <laughs> right. Or or was that just a last minute Hail Mary when they realized when she realized, okay, it doesn't matter, we're screwed. Here, take this with you. Um, no, that, that's a fair point. It could have been that way, but the way the uh, I felt the movie communicated it, it was kind of like, oh, we, we buried what we were trying to do uh, early on so that we could surprise you with it now. <laughs> Not that we didn't see that coming, but... Well, we got to give you the Starship Troopers moment followed by the Thing moment, so... <laughs> <laughs> the... Very aptly uh, named. <laughs> you picked <laughs> just the right moments in all of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, the dropping them into the chaos just totally screamed of Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. But I mean, well, I was even thinking, wasn't there a Starship Trooper in one of the Starship Troopers films that was the capturing of like some? Oh yeah, yeah Queen right in the first, bug or something. Yeah, the, the the big bug at the at the end. There, there's that, but yeah, no, like any fight scene where they literally, I mean, it was right out of Starship Troopers. There is the main first fight scene for the Starship Troopers where they drop out of the sky Oh, right. uh, to land on the planet. People are being killed on the way down. Uh, and, and then the fighting ensues and it's everybody's green and they don't know what to do. And they're all getting wiped out almost instantly. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Might have seen that somewhere before. Uh, but all that said, uh, like, the white spikes were fairly interesting looking aliens. Yeah, they were at least um, not something that we'd seen a lot of before. They had a unique uh, look about them. They could have easily looked like, you know, guy in a suit sort of thing, whether they were cgi or not right no they actually had a real uh, unique look about them they did um and they kind of like worked out the mechanics of what the bodies did and all that i mean it it was very interesting to watch how they chose to make these things appear on screen and move and, and uh, right down to thinking out okay there's there are weird calls that will bring alert um mm-hmm. they thought out what happens with the male of the species and the female of the species. I'm like, okay, I'll give you some nope. props for that. I, and I liked how they didn't just make them kind of naturally impervious to like a lot of the bullets. They've said like, you know, the face and, and the, the, the throat and the abdomen are like the weak spots. Right. And you actually, when you saw the white spike, when you saw the white spikes fight, and when people started shooting at them, they would they would tuck or turn their back to their more heavily armored uh, sides. I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. 
No, that's what I'm talking about. The whole dynamic with the aliens themselves was actually pretty cool. Chris Pratt, I can't decide whether I really like him in this film or I wish it was someone else. Well, the problem, I think, is even less Chris Pratt and it's more the character. This character did everything, and, and uh, but none of it effectively. Like, Mm-mm. from the beginning, you have this character. He's out of the service. He was clearly special forces once upon a time. But he's into the sciences. He's got some dream that he's trying to, uh, to follow, some dream job that he's trying to get. And he's not getting it. So he's a school teacher, too which it's unclear how he got from one to the other. He's a family man, but the dream somehow might interfere with the family man part. But then we're going to re-enable the whole soldier part. But then he's a good guy, but then, I don't know. He's just all over the map. I'm like, I don't know what they wanted out of this character. (laughs) He was a very good, he was like a 1980s action hero. By the fact that he was, like you were saying, everything. And like I described, you know, he's a family man, school teacher, special forces scientist. I mean, he's... <laughs> Who has an angsty relationship with his father. Um, oh, yes. And an overtly loving one um, with his daughter, uh, a.k.a. Um, oh, what's that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, the Commando. Uh, oh, Okay. <laughs> And like so yes it's right out of the 80s <laughs> dude is everything to everyone all at once and, and i think that's more than you can ask from chris pratt does this film sort of backhandedly say being a science teacher isn't good enough it kind of felt that way yeah um and it doesn't help that they kind of pulled him into um they almost had him do his science teacher much like Mark Wahlberg did his science teacher in The Happening. Uh, just kind of this, I just want to be your friend. I, I mm. just, I, 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 uh, let's talk about what you want to talk about kind of thing. And, and only, let's not talk to the kid that wants to talk about volcanoes. Yeah, there was even the, the scene where, you know, he loses the opportunity to get this, this job at this research facility or something, or this lab that he wanted. And he, he looks to his wife and he says, I'm, I'm meant to do something special in this world. I'm like, you're helping shape the minds of the next generation. That should be something special enough. It, it, it should be. And not to mention you were just special forces and you have this family. Uh, but yeah. Apparently none of that's good enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, I, I, since you brought up the family, I, I got to give a quick shout out to uh, Betty Gilpin, who played the wife, um, only because I, I kind of became enamored with her when I saw the movie The Hunt. Uh, she's okay. the, the main, quote unquote, good guy in, in, in The Hunt, and I enjoyed her thoroughly in that. So pros and cons, because she had such a bit role in this. Um I would have liked to see more of her or ever have a more important, more gravitas in the position. Yeah, she was a little bit of an afterthought in this kind film. Kind of, yeah. I did enjoy uh, the relationship between uh, Dan and his daughter, uh, Muri. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. But uh, you you kind of feel like that's how Chris Pratt is actually with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was a film where well, I guess it was trying to hit all the marks and fill and kind of check all the boxes because you've got your really good action scenes, you got your aliens, you've got your your loving dad, you kind of with his you know the goofball dad with his daughter, mm-hmm. uh, but you, you've got the guy that. It can be like a Superman when it comes to being in the military situations and stuff like that. And then you got like your comic relief bits. Oh, with Charlie. Charlie, yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, played by Sam Richardson, who, I don't know, he felt like he should have been in like a Jumanji. Well, interestingly enough, I liked Sam. Uh, he he was in uh, he was recently in another film, uh, uh, the the werewolf film with uh, the AT and T girl. No, oh, werewolves within. Yeah, I never got around to seeing that. Oh, highly recommend that one. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, like I said, they were like you know trying to check the boxes, and so there was just here's this movie and the whole idea like, well, the human race is going to be extinct and it's all this real heavy stuff. And so let's throw in a guy that does a lot of wisecracking. <laughs> well, see, as we were talking about, this is every film in one film, especially eighties film. So, so that was your, your buddy cop moment. Um, <laughs> that was his buddy. Only that got like 10 minutes worth <laughs> of time in the film. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong there. Yeah, I suddenly, as soon as you started saying that, I was thinking, oh, lethal weapon. Yep, yep, <laughs> totally. You had your lethal weapon moment. Uh, all you needed is, I'm getting too old for this crud. <laughs> That's the only thing this movie was kind of missing it is is the hardcore 80s taglines. Like, it, it screamed for having one, and I don't think they ever got one. Yeah, it was definitely, it's a film of cliches. It very much is. And if you watch it as that, it can be entertaining. If you can go, yeah, I have seen all of these films. They've just put it all into one. So we're going to do every Hollywood cliche possible right now. If you watch it for that, it's thoroughly entertaining. I found it entertaining. I really did. I think, like I said, the first time I watched it, I was just really burned by the whole well wait a minute this doesn't work <laughs> this time around i'm going okay it's a parallel they, they've created parallel universe i guess i've seen enough since then that allows me to go okay okay it's just a different timeline now i i think you could argue it i'm not sure how that really works i don't know how you can go to one timeline and then go back in time with something from that timeline to go to another world where now that timeline doesn't happen. <laughs> you you essentially invalidate the fact that you could move back and forth to any of these things because you'd never hit the same spot again. And I don't mean the physical, I don't mean the time, I mean you wouldn't be in that world anymore. You'd be in another one. Mm-hmm. So the things, whatever you were expecting to have happen didn't necessarily happen anymore. So it all falls apart. There was also uh, the moment I'm watching the film and I'm thinking, you know, watching the whole world unite and and gladly sign themselves up for this, uh, these missions into the future. And everyone takes it and goes to these things and 
and everyone's calm, everyone's cool and everything. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm not buying it. And then when the uh, time travel breaks down and they realize, oh, you know, Earth is screwed and suddenly panic erupts, I'm like, ah, there's the Earth I know. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think segues us nicely to uh, the, what, the fourth movie that... (laughs) That this movie is. Oh, we've got way more movies than that in this one already. Oh, I know, but... You can kind of break it down into the beginning part where it's the the family angst film. Then you get the time travel component. We kind of shove that all right there, um, right after we've dealt with the family angst part. Then we go into full sci-fi action film but then we take a break from that because we as you've mentioned we've broken the time time travel piece because all hell has broken loose and in the future and it is gone so and using their their analogy of two boats moving in the water say at the same speed so therefore time time in the past and time in the future are moving at the same speed so therefore you will move relative to that you can only hop across you can't go back and forth in the boat so mm-hmm. so you, you give them that so now it's all broke can't go anywhere so now we march we launch into the um it's almost uh, a combination of 2012 the end of the world kind of apocalyptic thing and Prometheus, the notion that there is a race of beings with a race of beings that are intended to wipe out other races of beings. <laughs> and this is how we're going to now move the story along because we, we, we ruined everything, but we got to get a happy ending. So we're going to wipe out the fact that any of this ever happened at all <laughs> in the most impossible way like we get we get no buy-in from the world whatsoever that (laughs) that we're gonna go and solve this problem because we've figured it out (laughs) and then we're gonna reunite with the estranged father who is some uh crazy white wing nutbag that (laughs) that he has no relationship with until the world needs saving kind of moment. Right. And then we make wild leaps as we search for a spaceship. We don't know if it's there in the, in Siberia, which we're not allowed to be in and with no support. So we're just going to land our airplane and go out and on snowmobiles. And we're going to find that as they even described it in the movie, the ice cube in, in the, mm-hmm in the freezer so (sighs) it got real dramatic at the end oh yeah absolutely i like the idea the one character the one soldier that it was just like his third tour he keeps signing back up yeah to go fight the aliens and he he keeps surviving and the whole reason he's doing it is he's got terminal cancer yep if he's gonna go out he's gonna go out swinging yep i like that aspect of him but I think that kind of took away a little bit from his eventual final sacrifice at the end. Right. Because it's like, well, well, he was going to die anyway, so 
I, I feel like that kind of takes a little something from his little heroic gesture to stay behind and blow up the ship. Like, well, yeah, because you are already dead. Right, yeah, no, I mean, there there was nothing... There was nothing dramatic about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, that, that needed to be two separate characters. Kind of, yeah. Like, that would have had more impact if our... Our comedy relief guy was the one that sacrificed himself. Absolutely. Especially after he had just... He survived his week in the future by hiding. Right. So this would have been his redemption. Absolutely would have been a better role for him. The whole sequence there as we get to the end, where we make wild leaps. I mean, we're not marveling over the fact that we have actually found an alien spacecraft. We don't care. Um, we have found that there's an, yet another race of aliens. We don't care. We make the wild leap that the rest of the aliens that are on board this thing, they're using to kill other planets. You only guessed that because you saw that in another film. <laughs> I'm like they were just they were just thankful that their cutting tools could cut through the hull of the ship. I'll admit, as I watched this again, I had a moment of like, really? <laughs> It's a good thing that was actually the door. <laughs> he right. didn't just he just didn't cut into the uh, thermonuclear uh, engine <laughs> core or something. Well, I mean, uh, clearly they know the uh, uh, the engineering schematics of uh, of an alien <laughs> spacecraft caught in the ice. Um, yeah, no. Between that and just the idea that we had a tool that would cut through the hull of an intergalactic ship, <laughs> that they just happened to carry around on the back of their snowmobile like i'm just trying to envision how how they were even planning this particular trip how do you decide what to take um, yeah <laughs> that's a very all, good point all of the and, and all of the scenes of the snowmobiles moving along yeah they had little things they were towing behind but then all of a sudden they had all of this stuff and i'm like where the hell were you keeping it all but, you know, they have this toxin that supposedly will, will kill the aliens, mm -hmm. and they want it mass-produced. They mass-produce it. Maybe they should have figured out a better way to actually implement this toxin. R other rather than, than an injection. <laughs> an individual injection. Yeah, wouldn't this have been something better that you could have put in, like, in a, in a dirty bomb or, I, I don't know, a spray <laughs> yeah, I mean, couldn't you have aerosoled this thing into the that ship and just walked away? Yeah, exactly. A little, a little more thought on the on the delivery device, I think, was was needed. Well, you got to give uh, credit to the alien race flying around with this very, very dangerous species as cargo. Um, that it was just some thin membrane of gel holding them back during the entirety of the trip. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I don't know what they uh, what they did to keep them asleep, because as soon as they wake up, they can get out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and apparently, if one of them so much as croaks or screams, it's enough to wake up every single one of them. So, yeah. God help you if you sneeze on that ship. Lord only knows what had happened. <laughs> It, it, it all became rather 
beyond fantastical. <laughs> we have kind of started really kind of bagging on it, and that wasn't my intention. It is, like I said, just a fun, just throw it on, grab some popcorn, and, you know, shut your brain off. It is a fun film in that regard. But, yeah, it is a film that if you start pulling at the threads... <laughs> Uh, agreed. And no, you're right. Uh, we tend not to try to bag too hard on, on films. and But I think in this case, it's not so much that you're bagging on the film. It's Some of the entertainment is in its absurdity. Uh, so it, it's fun to pull at these threads because it's fun to watch it all go down, but it's also kind of fun to go, that would never happen! <laughs> so... I'm having a little fun at its expense. I did want to mention that back in uh, July of 2021, it was reported by Deadline that Skydance and Amazon were in discussions to produce a sequel. Oh, my God. <laughs> the intention was to bring back director Chris McKay, the screenwriter Zach Dean, and all the stars. And director Chris McKay said that he would like to explore the alien race that in, that was introduced in the film, even including their origins. Hmm. There has been nothing but talks and speculation since then as to whether or not this will actually happen. Because I actually enjoyed the alien, I'd love, love to see what they come up with. But but we have seen that film before. <laughs> I'm really would be worried about a sequel really messing with the idea of timelines because <laughs> because the people we would you know they that would come back in time wouldn't be the same people that we met before because that didn't happen <laughs> but I'm, I'm afraid they'd forget that that didn't happen and you know his daughter would come back in time and like I see you save the world no no you don't know that <laughs> you can't know that to you the world was always saved right I say he takes this, if Chris McKay stays attached to this, I say we take it in another direction um, and we have it be the White Spikes versus um, the Lego characters. <laughs> there you go. I want to watch Lego Batman take on <laughs> the White Spike Queen. Lego Batman in Tomorrow War 2. I like it. It's got a hit written all over it. Now, because of its weird release and how it was going to be theatrical and it ended up being streaming, were you able to find any reviews on this? Uh, shockingly, uh, and most of the reviewers even acknowledged the, the whole it was supposed to be theatrical, it, it went to streaming. So this kind of changed up uh, how they did things. But yes, I actually got... Uh, I've found some stuff from... Um, uh, from RogerEbert.com and the New York Post. Uh, I'll start with New York Post uh, because we. This is uh, a quick review from Johnny Oleksinski. Since we're toting out the hard to say names, basically kind of a synopsis. Although uh, he went on this uh, fun little thing where he goes, as little orphan Annie once sang. The vicious fanged aliens will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow the vicious fanged aliens will come. <laughs> so, not sure where he was going with that, but it was still kind of fun to read. Yeah. When you 
when you don't have anything to actually say. <laughs> right, but then he kind of boils it down. So the Tomorrow War, in trying to become the new Independence Day, this release date is not arbitrary because it was released on July 2nd of mm. last year. Um, throws Alien, the Terminator, and A Quiet Place in a blender. And like that gross kale smoothie you made once, the result is gray goop. <laughs> well. So clearly loved it. Yeah. Little harsh, but not wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the weird, yeah. And then um, from Christy uh, Lemire from... Uh, from RogerEbert.com, who gave it a whopping one and a half stars. Um, This starts with Chris Pratt took all the clout and popularity he amassed from starring in the Jurassic World and Guardians of the Galaxy franchise and used them to make The Tomorrow War, a blandly derivative and overlong sci-fi thriller. I will... Definitely agree on the derivative. We've we as we've di- discussed. Right, but the the best is you get to the end, and it, it, she says, um, "In the last half hour, the Tomorrow War finally gives in completely to its alien influences, with ear-splitting shrieks and blood and yellow-green fluids squishing and spewing everywhere. It's as if a ballpark condiment bar became sentient and turned evil." Sorry, just absolutely love that that particular commentary. But yeah, so the critics are kind of like not not a great film. Um, no, no. But if you go through the f- entirety of the uh, the the critiques, they they talk about uh, the fun stuff that happened and all that. But yeah, they they point out this is a movie made out of movies. One person commented on the just today on on Facebook on my post of watching it. Uh, Cam Sullivan uh, said that he he dug it. He says it felt borrowed without being mindless or shoving the gimmick forcefully down the viewer's throat and giving something for all the heroes to do. It's basically got I Am Legend slash Predator type creatures, Stargate type portals, and a Terminator logic with the time travel. So he's throwing in a few other films. Yeah, no, if you've seen movies, you can see them in this movie. Yes. (laughs) I wonder, I'll have to go back and look and see if a uh, Piecing It Together podcast has done this film. That's where they take a film and, and they discuss and try to come up with all the puzzle pieces, all the films that inspired it. Man, they might be exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they've done this one. Maybe they're still trying. <laughs> it's still going. It's ongoing. It's taken more than a year and they're not done. <laughs> to look that up and check it out absolutely all right well i think that is all that we can say about the tomorrow war uh maybe we'll be back in another year or two to talk about the sequel (laughs) (laughs) one can only hope (laughs) next time when we discuss it we will be in october believe it or not and we're gonna we're not gonna do our 31 dates of Halloween like we have been doing, uh, just because we couldn't really figure out how we could fit it into the theme we've had going on this year. And I didn't want to make that big of a break. No. Uh, but Tom came up with a really great uh, solution. We're gonna watch a film and its sequel. We're gonna check out Happy Death Day, which he promised me is got some. Uh, it's 
definitely Halloween kind of October themed, and I think you said it has time loop qualities. It does. So there we go. We found a nice little compromise there. No, I, I I felt inspired, so I'm looking forward to this. And since you haven't seen these, I this not. is be fun for me. <laughs> yes, I have not. This will be a first-time watch for me. So, yes, next time when we come back, we will watch Happy Death Day. And if you want to go ahead and jump ahead and prepare, we're going to watch the sequel, Happy Death Day, to you. So that'll do it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Any thoughts or comments, please send them our way on any of the social medias. Just follow the link in the show notes or send them to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. Till next time, bye, everybody. See ya.